Welcome to the Recovering Perfectionist Podcast, where I empower you to develop sustainable habits, challenge society, and take messy action. I'm Christine, life balance coach and world champion ballroom dancer, and I believe that everyone has the power to create their very own life by design. The Recovering Perfectionist podcast was created with a mission to encourage a life of abundance by finding peace and acceptance in our own imperfections and developing healthy self-love through sustainable habits and manifestation. It's time to align with the universe for the full human experience and redefine what it really means to be successful. Uh It's too good, the secret is out and wow, Uh uh-huh. Welcome back to another episode of the Recovering Perfectionist podcast. I am so happy to be here today with Darcy, and she writes a blog called We Want Guac. I think we can all relate to that. Welcome, Darcy. Thanks so much for having me, Christine. You are so welcome, honestly. um, This is really cool for my audience members who know um, a lot of people that I chat with on the podcast are either really good friends of mine, they're experts in fields that I work in. Um, Darcy and I are meeting right now for the very first time, and you guys are all going to be witness to this, and this is so cool. We're going to tell you how this happened. (laughs) Darcy, are you excited? (laughs) I am so excited. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so just to give you guys some backstory, here's what happened. Darcy wrote this amazing article on her blog, We Want Guac, um, all about traveling to Europe, right? And talking about how she traveled on a budget and where she allocates her money and all these things. And the article got published. She's going to get into detail about how that happened. And I scroll through my, you know, my news tab on my Facebook page. And I have curated my news tab now to give me travel stuff, to give me uh, celebrity dancing with the stars stuff, because that's what I work in. And to give me like fun, you know, local things around Las Vegas and San Diego, because that's where I bought between. And her article popped up on travel. And it was like, we had just come back from two months in Europe. And I was like, oh my God, I relate to this so deeply. I need to meet this person. So I reached out to Darcy and I was like, I would love for you to be a guest on the podcast. Are you open to it? She's like, yes, let's do it. And I was like, this is my person. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me about this article and talk to me also about the trip, because I just did an entire episode on telling people, um, my husband and I finally got to do two months in Europe. And we, a part of that was our honeymoon. And it was, I mean, I've lived over there or I was born over there. Um, We want to live over there again, but this was like kind of a transformative trip for us. So talk to me about your trip because I would love to know more about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, my trip, uh, well, shorter than yours, sounds like it was also very like, like pretty similarly transformative as well. Yeah. Um, So for my trip, I had been like many people wanting to go to Europe for ages. Um, And in between COVID and in between, uh, you know, looking at all the crazy prices that, that obviously is involved from going from one continent to the other. um, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe someday. Um, But this year, finally, earlier in this year, I was like, you know what? Um, I'm in a really 
really good spot now um, when it comes to my finances um, in my career. Um, I'm, I can see that all of the uh, different COVID restrictions are going down. Uh-huh. Um, I'm boosted with my vaccine. Um, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a trip to Europe. Um, and when I started looking at what I wanted to prioritize for this year, I, I thought, hey, well, I want to make this a long trip, uh, multi-countries. Um, let me see if going for like a month is possible. And after um, running things over with um, some budgeting, doing some budgeting hacks, um, when working it out with my boss and the company, I left late May um, to go to Iceland first. And uh, then by the time I got back in late June, I had seven new countries under my belt. Oh my God, that's seven. That's about what we did too. That's crazy. Oh my God, that is Iceland. That's still on the bucket list. We didn't get to do that one this time. So tell me your seven countries. Oh my gosh, yes. So I started off in Iceland Uh um, and then landed in Amsterdam after that for about four days. Um, After that, I spent a little bit of time in Luxembourg, um, then a week in Paris. Um, After that, I spent about uh, four days to a week um, jumping between Denmark, Norway, and Sweden. Wow. That's amazing. You did so many countries we didn't do. So we started off, we went, um, obviously France because my family lives there. So they live in the North in Normandy. Then for our honeymoon trip, well, no, then we went to go visit a friend in Belgium. So we did Belgium for a couple of days. Then we, I love Belgium. yeah, it was really great. Um, and honestly, it's a, it's a place that we had never really thought about like what we would do there. So it was great that we had a friend that, and then she just moved to Canada. So we were like, cool, this is our chance, you know, like take it when you have it. And then we started our honeymoon trip. We went, um, we went April and May for two months. So then we started our honeymoon trip at the beginning of May and we took my grandfather's car and drove all the way down from like Normandy down to Bordeaux and hit Barcelona. So that was our third country, Spain. We went into Andorra. We're counting the municipal principles right? So you've got Andorra, which is its own country. And then, cause it, you yes. literally pass it. You can't not. Um, so we did Andorra, Barcelona, came back up to the South of France and, uh, saw a bunch of my family there in the South of France that I had really never met some of them before. And then we went into Monaco, which was another municipal principal mm-hmm. was stunning. I mean, absolutely stunning. And then we went into Italy. We did, um, Pisa, Florence, and then back up towards Milan. So we kind of just did like, um, what was it? Like Northwest Italy. Um, mm-hmm. And we want to do the South next time because that's a whole nother conversation. And we just didn't have the, the time to do it. Yeah, it's always time that's against you. I went to Italy when I was uh, studying abroad in Madrid, but was, which oh. was like eight years ago now. So everything you were saying, I was like, yes. Oh my God. Totally. Yeah. Yes. We had hit both those. Barcelona was a big bucket list one for me. Um, actually I just did an episode on that as well of like what that was like to like cross off the number one bucket list place on my, on my list. That was really cool. And then our last country, number seven, funny enough that you did seven as well was Switzerland. And that was a complete last minute decision, like shocked us, like we'll go back to 100%. It was like the most gorgeous. Have you been to Switzerland? No, I'm planning on going next time I'm in Europe though. Okay. You have to, it is like (laughs) next level. 
it's um, we when we were going from Milan up to the east of France, we had a location there. We were meeting someone uh, for something. We figured the fastest way was literally to drive through Switzerland and we get another country um, instead of going back into France through the south, you know. And so we did that. We went through this giant tunnel. Um, Switzerland is also not part of the, the EU, but they kind of do some EU things and I have EU citizenship. Yeah. So like, it wasn't that hard, but we definitely needed to stop at certain customs. You can tell it's very, very different. And then just the, the landscape was just, I mean, it was like out of a storybook, a children's storybook. It yeah, was like, so colorful. Yeah. Every, everything was like, it looked like it was high saturation, honestly. <laughs> <sighs> It was absolutely incredible. You're making me like even more desperate to go now. <laughs> yes, but Iceland, Iceland. And um, we have a really good friend Amazing. in Amsterdam. We weren't able to go up to Amsterdam, um, but Amsterdam's on the list and Iceland for sure. Oh yeah. Funny enough, I also, I have a friend in Amsterdam and she was the one showing me around when I was there too. So love, love, love. So similar to your Belgian friend, I was like, oh, more in common. More in common. Yeah, no, this is so cool. Okay. So overall though, I want to discuss, um, because so many of our friends and family members and coworkers, they were like, how are you doing this? Like, how are you going? First of all, you went for a month. We went for two months. Some people can barely even afford to go for 10 days or a week. Mm. So discussing because we don't really talk about this a lot. And that's another reason why I wanted to reach out to you is I'm always trying to feel aligned of like what I share on this podcast. Um, I want it to be very um, authentic and vulnerable, but I also want to talk about things that nobody's talking about. And I think that people mm-hmm. like this year was this summer was like the summer of Europe. Like everyone's going back because okay. of COVID um, being over. And so they were like, so a lot of people, I think were just figuring it out. But I think that there's so many, like you were talking about, you were like, oh, there's, um, I have these, uh, you know, budget hacks and all these different things. And I just don't think those things are rapidly discussed because they're a part of having a good, solid financial education. And we just don't get that, you know? And so I would love for you to discuss a little bit, um, and I'm going to add my tips and tricks as well of how you're able to do this for a month and also it doesn't matter even if I mean, you could literally be Beyonce and have all the money in the world. It's not even about that. Mm-hmm. I, I live on a budget so that I can do more things because of, you know, our businesses aren't a hundred percent where they want to be at this moment. But even when we, they mm-hmm. are, why would I pay extra for something? I know I can pay less when you've done the research, you know what I mean? Like, I know, I know, you know what I'm talking about. So get, kind of get more into oh, that yes. about how you kind of went around planning your trip. Oh my God, completely. Um, and and I love that you brought that up because I nerd out completely about finances and teaching people about uh, how to manage their finances better. Um, so when it came to financing my trip, um, a massive part of, uh, of being able to do in the first place was just because of the financial education that I've had. Um, and that education actually didn't come for me until after I graduated college and it wasn't until... Um, I had already settled into my first job and realized, okay, I need to get my act together and figure out, uh, you know, what, uh, what my future is going to look like. Um, how am I going to, uh, manage money moving forward? And I happened to stumble upon, um, 
this resource online that explained everything to me about something called the FIRE movement, which, um, which FIRE is an acronym that stands for Financial Independence and Retiring Early. Um, they are all about teaching people how to uh, how to live frugally, um, save up their their money, cut down their expenses, and uh, and hopefully ultimately reach financial independence where you never have to work for money again. Um, amazing, so, absolutely amazing. Yeah, it, that's the go- that's the dream. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is that like having all the success. You know, we in my coaching industry, we redefine what success is, you know, because people think it's like reaching the top and getting all the money and having all the things. And, and that ends up being so high maintenance and ends up being so not what people actually want. It's what society paints the picture of what we think we want. And then we get to those places and we feel more, you know, imprisoned than when, than before. And so the real freedom is being able to spend your time however you want to. And time is an, you know, is a limited resource that we don't get back. And so being able to have, you know, I I know people that have tons of money, but they don't have any time to spend it, Mm -hmm. you know, or they're miserable just for many other reasons. And so being able to understand how to spend your time, but being able to have the financial knowledge to use your time wisely with the money that you have. Um, and do the things that you want to do, like travel and, you know, spend on family, do all those things, the quality time. That's really, that's for me is the definition of freedom. Oh, completely. Same with me too. It really makes you think too, about um, going back to the title of recovering perfectionist. Um, yeah. What exactly does something like a perfect career mean oh. where I feel like in, I feel like overall in like our culture or our society right now, um, so often perfect career means like something that pays a lot or that you're really important. Um, like hopefully it'll make the world a better place, but really it goes down to like, uh, seeming important and going to all these like important networking events and people going, Oh my gosh, you have this really fancy title. But, um, but as you said, at the end of the day, well, how much does that give you when it comes to uh, the life part of your work-life balance? Do you like, did something like long hours and constantly being on the road still constitute a perfect career. So um, what I loved about my financial education was that this really redefined for me what perfect career meant and mm. that it was something that gave me more time back and gave me the the resources, the means to be able to do more of what I want in the first place, such as a month-long trip to Europe. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Okay. So some of your top life hacks that you, or um, sorry, financial budget hacks that you implemented when you were planning this trip? Oh my gosh. Yes. So far and away, the biggest hack for me was, um, was learning how to use credit card points to the most optimum level. You're Um, speaking my language girl. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so it was like the year before, well, not really a year, maybe a couple of months before uh, 2021 ended, um, I signed up for uh, for a credit card that was offering uh, a lot of points thanks to Chase. Um, and once I once I hit their minimums and then I earned that uh, sign up bonus, um, I realized that oh, I could use this for my Europe trip coming up. And thanks to both that that big sign up bonus with Chase Sapphire Preferred. And the uh, points that I accumulated after uh, using the card for a lot of other things, um, I ended up saving like over a thousand dollars with just that hack alone. Um, wow! In between purchasing flights and uh, different hotel stays. So, so okay, yes, I completely agree with you. Credit cards are the way to go, um, and I will say that like 
um, the, the generation before us, our parents' generation, they're not for it, right? They have, they listen mm-hmm. to Dave Ramsey, no credit cards, pay everything cash, don't get into debt, don't declare bankruptcy, all the things. But the thing is, is that when you understand, again, it's just under, having a financial education, which I don't feel like they had either, understanding how to use credit cards to work for you and not against you and get played into the system is what we're talking about here. We are not encouraging you to go buy, get credit cards and rack up all this debt and then not be able to handle it. There's Mm -hmm. a way to use credit cards that work for you and also doing the research on the right ones to get depending on your lifestyle. So that's my husband and I do the same thing. And a big thing for us, so we have the, uh, I'm sorry, you have the Sapphire card. We have the um, Southwest Chase card. So they both work with Chase. Um, And unfortunately, Southwest doesn't fly internationally. So we don't get to use it really on the flights, um, although we will buy the flights with them and then get those points. Um, Mm -hmm. But what we really love is being able to, have so we signed up for the um the business southwest card which allows us to have zero foreign transaction fees which is incredible because when you go to europe and everything's in euros and you're just using your cards we don't take out a lot of euro cash because we don't really need it we have family that lives there they can lend us a couple things we can give it back but we really don't want to deal with conversion rates. People lose so much money on converting their money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have foreign transaction fees that they use credit cards. And I had so many friends that came, you know, and met us over there and they were like, oh, it's no worries. And I'm like, it's no worries. You're probably lost with the amount of transactions that they're making in a day. You're spending it on food and drinks and Ubers and you know the little snack pastry on the street and the museum and the this and the that. And they don't realize how much it adds up and all those little percentages end up making, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, in a couple of days, close to, you know, a a few hundred dollars worth of stuff, you know, that they, that they're losing. So for us with all the little transactions we're going to make in two months, like we made sure that we wanted a card that had no foreign transaction fees and our bank did not provide that all of our credit cards. They said, we don't do that. They're, you're gonna have to go somewhere else. I said, great. So I went to my trusty old Southwest card. They're like, yeah, no problem. We can just upgrade you zero cost. We'll send you new cards and they'll be on the business. I was like, great. Yes. So, so we did that. And also just for local travel, when we spend, so we spent, let, let me just give an estimate here over the course of two months with our friends and everything. We, we did bulk stuff. So they paid us back. We put everything on the card. So we got all the points. We probably spent like 5,000 and all of that got put on the card. And that went towards flights in the U S because then because Southwest Mm -hmm. flies local, we do local travel all the time. So my husband got free flights to Florida to go visit his family. We got free flights to, you know, Boston, we got free flight, all the things. Um, because we don't really pay for flights locally anymore because we use the card so much. And it's on things we're going to buy anyway. That's what we're saying. We're not just buying unnecessary things, right? Because that's what you were saying too. You're like, I just was paying for stuff I was already going to buy with my other card or my debit card or my cash or whatever. Yeah, completely. Um, every, all the credit cards that I have, um, I, I don't go crazy with it. I don't have like a million stuff into my wallet. It's only stuff that... I know that uh, I'll be able to 
uh, maintain and that I'll always make the, uh, the, the monthly payments on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that it ultimately doesn't cost me anything further, but I still am able to reap all of the rewards of having those cards. Right. Totally. Totally, totally. So that changed the game for you because already you're not even gone yet and you've already saved so much money, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, so much. It was amazing. It also enabled me to um, to go to different places in different countries that I might not have been able to go to before. Um, yeah. For for example, I spent um, the most amount of time in Denmark, um, mostly staying in Copenhagen, but I also... Um, went to um, different parts of the country, including this beautiful city that's, um, that's maybe about an hour flight away from Copenhagen, um, Aarhus, that where I absolutely fell in love with, uh, with, with uh, everything about it, the history, the people. Um, that's also where I was able to go try my first Michelin restaurant. So I think that had to do with um, my, <laughs> my love for Aarhus as well. That's amazing. We definitely looked up a bunch. We were like, well, we're over here. We should look at some Michelin restaurants. We didn't end up going to one, but we found a bunch along the route that we're definitely bookmarked for next time. Um, but yeah, as you said, and also you took a little flight, like we did the same thing. We drove a lot of places, but then once you're there, everything's so small. I try to tell people like France, yeah. just for perspective, France is the size of Texas. So for people in the United States who are used to driving or flying six hours from California to New York, like in six hours, you could literally like cross the entire continent of, I mean, more than that. I mean, I mean, no, in six hours, I mean, it's, it's nuts how far you can go. And so when we drive um, in and out of countries, it's really easy there. Most of them are part of the EU mm -hmm. and um a lot of people say, well, the, the most expensive part is the flight getting over there. Once you get over there, it's, it's actually pretty cost-effective compared to the United States. Do you oh, agree with yeah. that? Oh, completely. I was, I was shocked when I first went there. I was expecting things to be um, maybe, maybe on par with the expenses of like New York city as a visitor. Um, but when I went there, I was like, no, this is actually cheaper than the, than like, like the different stores and restaurants that are in my backyard at home. <laughs> what gives way cheaper, but also even groceries. Like we went grocery shopping with my family multiple times, cart full to the top. I'm thinking, Oh my God, this is going to be like $300. And it was like a hundred, it was like half that it was like 150 bucks. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like groceries are cheaper, like all the different things. It's nuts. Oh, completely. Groceries are cheaper and also higher quality too. I've noticed too. Girl, we won't even talk about the food quality. That's a whole nother <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Another <But> conversation. Yes, <laughs> totally. No, no, no. But I completely agree with you. And so the way I, so my little budget life hack um, for flights is I, and so many people, I tell them this, like, I just say it nonchalantly and they're like, oh my God, I didn't think about that. I'm like, really? So I buy flights on Black Friday. Ooh. Because again, we talked about, this is the overall, I feel like theme of what we're discussing is like, you need to spend money and, and budget your money for your core values, the things that you value the most, yes. right? And clearly for Darcy and I, it's travel. <laughs> yes. That's one of them for sure right? A lot of my other core values include like family and dance and all these other different things. But that, you know, one of my mom's core values is family as well. And her kids, she, we, my brother and I moved to the West coast and she still lives in the Midwest. And so every year she spends two to three flights, you know, she buys two to three flights to come see us because it's cheaper for her to come than for both of us to go. And she mm -hmm. wants to come to sunny California or Vegas, you know, and have a good time. So 
she budgets her money so that she can spend two to three flights a year coming to see us for us. Same thing. It's travel. So the best way to get travel when people are budgeting, they're like, I'm going to buy a TV on black Friday. I'm going to buy this. And most of the stuff that they don't need, they're just buying it because it's on sale. Mm-hmm. All of the airlines are doing deals on black Friday and usually for that weekend. And I have found, I mean, half price flights. Like when I say like, basically sometimes you'll find a flight for like $1,200 round trip to Paris. I found them for like 600 nuts. I mean, absolutely nuts. And so really doing that research, right. Um, I think you can concur with this, that all of your budget friendly tips, it didn't come without doing a lot of research. Yes, that's correct. You definitely want to go in prepared. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to find, uh, those budget hacks and those deals. Um, if you go into it with, with open eyes and knowing what you're looking for. Definitely. Definitely. So yeah, so buying the flights on Black Friday, that's always a kicker. Also, it's, you know, right in the middle, right before the, the holiday season, because usually we buy them for April, May for the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing when to buy. Um, while you're over there, um, what I want to know is hotel and transportation. Do you have any budget-friendly travel hacks for uh, any of those? Yes, completely. Um, so um, I'm going to touch again on uh, credit card points really quick because um, with the credit card points I had, not only was I able to save on flights, um, but through the Chase portal that I was using, um, I could also save on hotels. So um, so for quite a bit And a of lot that, of cards, sorry to cut you, but a lot of cards kind of pair those two together because they go together. Yeah, completely. So, um, so I was able to go to a lot of hotels with that. Um, and, but that didn't cover all of my, uh, my expenses throughout all seven countries. So for the ones that, um, I didn't cover with points, um, what I ended up doing was, um, turning to Google hotels. They have a specific hotels page, um, similar to the Google flights page, Mm -hmm. Um, and started looking up, um, hotels in the cities I was going to, um, and looking to see which ones had deals for just the, the default that, that Google will show you. Um, and then putting it and then going to those specific hotel sites and inputting the dates that I'll actually be there. Um, so then that way I'll know, uh, which hotels are the ones that are, um, the ones that will really give you some some default deals, um, give you some really nice amenities, um, and while also filtering, of course, uh, um, the ones that have uh, pretty high ratings, because I don't want to go to um, any hotel, no matter how great the deal is, only to like not get a good night's sleep because like the walls are paper thin or something like that. Sure. Um, yeah. Totally. But I will say also, um, just ugh, hotels in Europe are so different than the United States. For so many reasons. I can't wait to hear yours. The way that we found our hotels, funny enough, we were excited about like Barcelona and Italy, you know, some of those big ones and doing like an Airbnb, cute Airbnb moment. I will tell you when we started looking at Airbnbs, even weeks in advance, right? Because we knew the exact time we were going to be there after a certain point. It was so much more and I wasn't finding anything that was any cuter than like a boutique hotel. Um, and you have all these cleaning fees and all these other things because Airbnb has actually gotten really pricey based on, you know, the demand of what it has done. Um, and so I think back in the day, there were some really good deals, but now we actually use booking.com the entire time. And it's just a fun little app. 
a lot of people know of. And we would book the hotel like maybe a couple of hours before we would arrive. Cause when we were driving, we could take an extra day, you know, in certain countries. So we we're like, oh no, if we book a hotel for tomorrow night, we're still going to be here. Like we need to, you know, so we would try to book it like the day of, and it'll give you in your area, like, or like when we were in Monaco, for example, we didn't want to book a hotel in Monaco because mm-hmm. that's so expensive. And we knew that. So we just went right outside of Monaco, right between France and Italy in a place called Menton, France. For my, for my friend, she's Monton, <laughs> is how it's really pronounced. And we went in there and we um, we went into the app and it gave us like all these great deals and it showed us all the reviews, all the stars, you know, um, the free breakfast. I would say most places in, in Europe are giving free breakfast. Like yes, that was a huge perk, huge perk. And they're just so much more like easy breezy, you know, very family owned type places. Um, and I think I appreciated that for me felt like my Airbnb moment was creating this like more intimate experience than these giant chain hotels, which we could stay at, but why? Exactly. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up about Airbnb because yeah. when I was originally planning this trip, I was expecting to only be staying at Airbnbs. Same. But then that just ended up not happening. Cause I was like, well, all these like, like smaller family run hotels are so much more cheaper. That wasn't the case. Like when I was studying abroad eight years ago, but right. the tables have turned, the tables have turned. And that just takes just like having your thumb on the pulse of what is happening in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Airbnb, you know, Ubers, all that thing. I have Uber and Lyft. I bounce between the two. So sometimes Same. I'll pick, you know, depending on what, and I think a lot of people are doing that because all of these things, they are, when they first started, they were the vibe and now things are getting more expensive. So now the taxis and the boutique hotels have to counter that. And I think it's just going to be this cat and mouse game for a while. And the boutique hotels were so cute. They were so accommodating, great food and service, you know, complimentary breakfast, um, beautiful rooms, you know, with views, all the things. I mean, the views are everywhere, but we actually enjoyed ourselves so much more and we could book them very last minute. I think that was the thing for us is that for those of you who are traveling maybe by car or you're trying to be as spontaneous as you can, but still have some, you know, general plan the little boutique hotels on booking.com. And then we were able to, within a matter of like a couple of weeks, we had already reached another, a new level on the app because we were booking hotels almost every two nights, <laughs> you know? And I mean, some for like $50 a night, you know, nothing crazy. I mean, you know, the, I think our most was maybe 110 for, for one night. And it was, it was, and when I tell you these places were gorgeous. Yes. Oh my God. That is phenomenal. So talk to me, what was your favorite hotel in what country? Oh my God. Um, let me think here. So I think probably my favorite hotel, um, out of all of them, it's a toss up between the hotel I stayed at in Copenhagen and the one I stayed at in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, I loved the one in Copenhagen because, um, it was, it was just like, like so cozy. Um, it was, but yet also very centrally located. Um, I could walk 15 minutes and, um, and like in different directions and be like either, either in like their most bustling square or, or next to, uh, 
of the different palaces that are there. Um, so that was really nice. Um, but in Stockholm, um, it was, it was, um, a similar deal where it was, it was also super cute. Um, it was also pretty centrally located, but there was a lot more history to that hotel than the one I had stayed at in Copenhagen. Um, and so I loved, um, just walking, um, into the hallway to get to my room and seeing like, like this, like the molding on the walls from like a century or two ago was, was just like a perfect detail to the end of my trip. Love, 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 love. That's amazing. We stayed in a place, um, really cute boutique hotel in um, Florence, Italy. Florence is my favorite city. It was stunning. My mom studied there. So it was really important for us to go there. I've heard it's amazing. Um, And we made the most incredible friends. The um, manager of the hotel, he is in the process of buying it. So he was like hands-on, wanted to get to know us, anything that we needed. We could use the fridge downstairs. Um, cause again, a lot of these places you have to understand it's still Europe. They don't have fridges in the rooms. They don't have air conditioning, some of them, but that, but you open the windows again, you go at the right time of the year. Don't go in the summer. It's crazy tourism. Anyway, <laughs> time <laughs> of year makes a difference. Um, you said you were there in May, right? Um, yes, I, I was, I was last in Italy, um, during my, uh, study abroad days, but, um, I had okay. went, uh, May and June for May and June. Okay. Year. Yeah. So it, I mean, time of year makes a huge difference. I think April and May for us has been the most successful, just great weather, no tourism. Um, you know, everyone in, in Europe is still in school as well. Um, and then also the next one is in the fall. So like September, October, Usually it's a little bit chillier, but it's not that much. And it's, and it's a beautiful fall season. Um, and again, everyone's back in school. Um, so that's been successful for us. But anyway, we were walking distance to, you know, um, the, uh, oh my gosh, I just lost it. I was about to say the Trevi Fountain. I was like, that's not right. It's the um, Ponte Vecchio, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the, the bridge, the famous bridge in Florence, and then yeah. the, the square area as well with all of the cathedrals and the Duomo and all of that. And we actually rented bikes one, one day, cause it did get a little hotter in Italy. And so we were like, Oh, mm-hmm. let's run some bikes. You know, we're big bike people. And we made such good friends with the owner of the hotel. He's like, Oh my God, I have friends coming in. They're actually moving from the United States. They're buying a house here. We went and had drinks with them that night. Like it was such a blast. Mm -hmm. And that's what I recommend too, is going and making friends with people. That for me is a huge budget tip because everyone's going to go in on things together. You're going to get things complimentary because you're just good, kind people. And I think that that's really rare in the world today. And I think we need to use that intentionally to our advantage. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. And it's not only going going in with a big group that is a good budget hack, but oftentimes when you're meeting up with locals, they'll know they'll know um, a bunch of hidden gems in the area that are catered yeah. to locals, which means they don't have like the jacked up tourist prices as well. Totally, totally. And we asked them. We kind of told them before we were staying in Italy for a couple of days, and so we told them before our plans, and they definitely had some adjustments of like, oh, do this first, or do this instead of this because this is the same, but it's cheaper or whatever. Um, so definitely, like, ask locals, get to know locals, whether it be at your hotel or whether it be at you know, um, I, we make friends in lines. Like when we're in line somewhere at a museum or whatever, we're like, oh, you know, um, and it could, maybe it's not locals, but it's other people that have already done the research 
they're like, oh yeah, we did that yesterday. This is what we did. Oh, also just know that this is over there, not over there. And so it saves us time. So you might as well, you know, ask around like less research for you. For sure. Yes. Love I've that. relied heavily on their, on their guidebooks and, and different, different little tips and tricks. Um, I like, there'd be times where I, where I tweet out saying like, Hey, I'm in like this city right now. I'm really excited. And, uh, and different friends and different acquaintances would reply saying like, Oh yeah, you should definitely try this food or this pastry or, or go to this store. And it's a blast. Um, which was amazing as well, because then I could see so much more that, uh, would have never been on my radar otherwise. That's true. Yeah. I think using social media, Instagram, Facebook, those kinds of things, because you'd be surprised at who in your network of friends has been to some of the places that you're going to, or has recommendations of certain things. And you're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And then you can kind of just like compile a list of the things that are interesting to you. Oh, yes. I I have this monster of a list that I was relying on heavily during my travels. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I also want to add, um, which I'd love to get your opinion on this. Um, uh, uh, I would say it's, it's a budget friendly tip, but it's also for me, like, how do I put it? It's about living in abundance, right? Because mind you, your mindset, like when we are thinking about, you don't want to budget out of scarcity. You want to budget out of abundance. So when we talk about this in, you know, through my coaching programs and things, we talk about the fact that you can't move forward from a lack of, from a place of self-hatred. And so it's the same thing with budgeting. Um, we don't budget because we feel like we have less than others. We budget so that we can do more than other people. And when you have that mindset, things come to you more easily. Money shows up, things happen. The universe aligns itself. And so it was very important for us, especially since this was part honeymoon and we had a bunch of different places we had never been to and it was bucket list stuff that we were like, okay, certain things we didn't need to do because we just knew it was, you know, okay, been there, done that, or we've done something similar. And when we found out the price of a certain museum and it was like 30 or $40 more per person than something else that we really loved, it was like, is it really worth it? You know, you weigh the pros and cons, but there were certain things that maybe were a little bit pricier or like buying like a, a custom leather jacket in Italy. You know what I mean? like certain things that we were like, oh man, this is going to like be something we remember for the rest of our lives. And it's going to make the trip or it's going to be a memory from the trip or whatever. Don't be afraid to splurge on those things. Do you agree? Um, completely. I, a thousand percent. Um, I am really excited that you brought that up because that's a really common theme that, um, that a lot of, that, um, I love to talk about a lot and that, um, a lot of my, my friends in the finance space also agree with, um, where there's, um, there's one saying that, um, that I always see bounced around in the community, in the finance community, where, um, it talks about how you should spend lavishly on the things that bring you joy, the things that you care about and, and just don't spend on the things that don't matter to you. Um, so it sounds, it sounds simpler than it is to actually put in action because then you have to actually think about, okay, well, um, what brings me joy and what, what doesn't bring me joy? Kind of the Marie Kondo well, method totally. of. It exactly is the Marie Kondo method. Absolutely. Of travel or what of, of, of your life. Um, but I also think that in doing that, you are not just what brings me joy, but that's kind of like how you figure out your core values. 
Like, yes. why is it that we're discussing? I mean, listen, you can spend money on anything, right? There's lots of hacks for lots of different things in life that you could spend money on. We could do a whole thing on investing. We could do a whole thing on, you know, your career or how to buy the best house, real estate, all that stuff. But our passion, Darcy and I, is travel. And that's because that's one of our core values. And we realized what that brings to our life and what that, the value that it adds in, you know, our overall development and growth and the people that we meet. So I think it's very important. And I say this on so many episodes, figuring out, figuring out what your core values are. What do you want to actually spend your money on and, and your time, you know what I mean? Your time, Mm -hmm. your money, and your energy. These are your resources, people. So being able to understand that these are the things that you should be focusing on. And so many people, they have money that's leaking out everywhere. That's going to things that are on auto pay that they don't even know um, after a while. And then they're like, I don't have any money to travel. And it's like, well, let's look at that. If travel is really a core value and then same thing, once you get there, what brings you joy? Why, why go here instead of here? Why do this attraction instead of this attraction? Why eat this instead of this? usually is in the moment for my husband and I, it's really based on what is important to us and what we enjoy. When we went to Italy, all we ate was pasta and ice cream. (laughs) When we were in France, we didn't eat a lot of ice cream because for me, it's all about the pastries and the duck and the, you know, the, the fancy things that I love over there. That's my country. So I know a lot of stuff over there but everyone told me the gelato in Italy was going to be amazing. So I didn't waste my money on gelato. I'm quoting, right? Because we didn't know if it was real gelato in, in other countries because it wasn't priority. But when we were in Italy every single day, we got gelato because it really was the best we've ever had. And that was worth the money to spend on. It wasn't even that expensive. It's just gelato. That's just a small example. But also just knowing like, are you hungry or are you just like, wanting a snack or what, you know, like don't, you don't need to spend also buying groceries instead of going out to eat all the time. Like you said, the nutrition and the food over there is so much better. The groceries are just as good. Mm -hmm, Completely. Um, Speaking of food too, I'm going to toss out a really quick tip when it comes to eating over there. Um, There is this incredible app that focuses on uh, reducing food waste worldwide, but is also very good for your budget called too good to go. Um, I originally downloaded it, um, to, for different restaurants in Boston, but they're headquartered actually in Europe. So, um, they have a much bigger presence in most cities and towns there. Basically you just go into the app. It, um, it tracks your location and it tells you, um, the different restaurants around you that are also partnered on the app and, um, how many of them are offering uh, food at a much lower rate than you would get. Um, what that, what that means in practice is that, um, I would often get like these massive bags, uh, from different bakeries and different restaurants. And the most that I would pay would be between four and six euros each. Wow. That reminds me of like going to like a farmer's market or over there. It's just a regular market. It's not even called a farmer's market. Um, when we were in the South of France, we went to Aix-en-Provence and they have one of the largest market outdoor markets that they have twice a week. Um, and our friends, they're like, yeah, this is where we buy our produce. We don't even go to a regular grocery store and they haggle a little bit and they know their people. They find their, their, their farmers and their growers and all these people. And they're like, that, this is the guy I go and get my tomatoes from. And he knows me and that like, uh-huh. and then they're getting things 
at a more affordable rate and they're getting the best quality because they know where it comes from. Like they knew everything about like he grows it here and he doesn't put these pesticides and all these different things. I mean, that was an eye opener for me. I was like, wow, it's a whole different way to shop. Yeah, it really blows your mind once you once you experience things and that's something other than like going to a massive grocery store here. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So um yeah, I'm so glad you brought up the food thing because food ends up being so costly on yes. trips. Um, I will say the one thing that we can't really add to as far as a hack is alcohol. A lot of people do drinks um um and have a budget for that. My husband and I don't really drink. So we save, there's your hack right there. We save a ton of money. Um, but I also don't think, again, if that's something that brings you joy that, you know, you want to try, like when we were in Europe, um, sorry, when we were in Belgium, my husband tried Belgian beer, of course, because like they're known for beer. So like he will Mm -hmm. drink occasionally. I just don't drink at all. So he tried the Belgian beer. Um, and so there are certain things that, yes, you should definitely try while you're there. If that brings you joy. Um, but do you have like, maybe like a little like alcohol hack or like a, you know, a drinks package situation that you're like, this is where I was able to do it. Really. It just goes back to, um, to just spending on, um, on really what you want to most prioritize. Um, I'll bring up an example where I'm, I'm similar to you. I don't really drink unless, um, unless for me, it's in like a social setting. Um, but there was a friend of mine who, um, who had gone to, um, Oslo a couple of years back. She recommended to me, uh, like, like the number one bar she said in the world that's in that city. Um, and when she went, she, she's similar to me in that she said she does everything on a budget. And she said, while she was there, um, she made sure going in that she was only going to limit herself to two drinks. Um, one drink would be um, one that she had heard other folks recommend to her. And the other drink was going to be um, whatever the bartender most recommended. Um, there you and go. So, so, then she, you know you're so she knew going in like. On the things that actually are local and that would move the needle in your, you know, learning process culturally yes completely totally oh that's such a good hack I love that um and then that way you get to kind of get to know the locals a little bit too and what they like to drink and what they're known for and all of that kind of stuff oh yeah it's like a perfect segue into learning more about just like the local area um learning more about uh, about like like maybe the industry over there or just wherever the conversation will take you love that absolutely love that Um, this has been amazing. I have, I mean, there are so many ways we can go with this and travel and all of that stuff. Um, what I want to kind of wrap up with here is first of all, we never really talked about how, like, what's the feedback you've been getting from that article? Yeah. So, um, so it's really interesting to me to learn, um, to learn about what, is really stopping folks from doing something similar. I mean, like, like, obviously, obviously there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like things to go into price. Um, we're facing, um, just, just not a lot of folks being able to, to save too much currently. Um, so it's not me going, Oh yeah, just save $2,000 and you're set. Um, no, it's more than that. But, um, a lot of folks have been, um, inspired by it specifically because they don't know how to, bring it up to their place of work and being able to take off so much time to go travel Having and that conversation completely. Um, and actually it's funny. The reason that um, I was mainly able to go away for so long 
was um, was because I uh, worked out with my company that I would uh, take two weeks vacation and then I would spend um, two weeks over there just working remotely abroad. Um, that ended up still for me being able to go to several different places and see everything because I was still working East Coast hours, which in Europe was uh, only started at 3 p.m. Yep. So I still had all of the morning and most of the afternoon to uh, go do all my touristy things that I wanted to do. That's fantastic. My husband and I did that too, because we have um, remote businesses. And so there were some things that we definitely couldn't after, you know, in two months that we were not completely off, you know, the whole time, which was fine. We love what we do, but yeah, it was like basically during the day we would spend time with family or we would go do our, you know, honeymoon stuff or whatever. And then we're on the West coast. So then a lot of our people wouldn't, you know, even be ready to go until like six or 7 PM. And we would work kind of deep into maybe like one o'clock in the morning, which was totally fine for us because that's kind of our timeline anyway. And then we would wake up a little bit later and that worked out perfectly. The time difference actually works in your favor when you're over there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. But also, you know, here's a part B of that. Yes, definitely keeping some of that remote work going. But for those of you who have like skills that can be translated into different, you know, um, industries, my husband's a professional photographer. Um, we have clients now we've met friends of friends that they're like, oh my gosh, we do a photo shoot with me while you're here or clients over there, you know, friends that own shops and, oh, I need you to do a product you know, thing for this or whatever. And we just go, usually our place is um, Sacré-Cœur in Paris, which is the big basilica on the, on the, um, the hill. And we, mm -hmm. there's some gorgeous little hidden gem spots in there that we just meet over there. And then we kind of go do a little photo shoot. Um, and then, you know, you kind of get paid. They can pay you obviously through you know, third-party apps or in euros. And then we would just use that, that we would budget that. Like if they paid us over there in cash, we were like, great, we have to spend it before we leave because we're not going to pay the conversion rate to bring it back into US dollars. So that gives you spending money, you know? So that was a nice little hack yeah. as well. If you're a photographer, or if you're an artist, or if you're a chef, or if you're, I mean, anything that can be translated to a kind of a one-off situation, you know, like a little, um, independent contractor, a la carte kind of thing. Um, those are things that like people will pay for those services, especially if you come all the way from the United States, like that, you know, knowing how to kind of sell that. Um, but also just like, I don't know, valuing your service and those things like will give you that extra spending money. Those definitely will. That sounds amazing to me that you guys are able to like still get a little bit more while you were over there. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and we weren't even looking for it. We were like, we're not going to work. We're not going to push it. But then, you know, somebody wants something and we're like, let's see if we can fit it in. You know what I mean? Like if we can, we'll yeah. do it. If we can't, we won't. And that way we don't feel pressure. Um, because people are like, oh, I don't want to work when I'm on vacation. It's like, yeah, but if you're over there for two months or a month, you know, and you put some of these things into the schedule, it's not, it's like you're living over there, you know? And again, if you love what you do, like the photo right, shoots yeah. are some of the most fun times. Any last minute tips or anything that we maybe didn't discuss, or just honestly, I think maybe the best thing that the advice to people who still feel like maybe, well, that's great for you, but that's just not my life. And I just don't know if I can swing that. Like, I believe anybody can travel if they want to. 
and I think you feel the same way, but like, what would you say to those people? My biggest tip um, would be if, if you're truly lost in you and you're thinking, okay, I would love to do this, but it's just, I just don't see how it's possible. Um, start, start thinking about like, like the little steps you can take to make it a little more possible. Um, like sure, maybe it looks like an insurmountable mountain currently, uh, but is it possible for you to climb a little bit further up the mountain than where you already are? Um, because once you do that, um, it's, it's, it's frankly, uh, really encouraging to, to then realize, Hey, I've already climbed up this much. Let me try climbing up a little more and then a little more. Uh Um, and so that would be, uh, the, the best thing that was something that really helped me out. Um, when I was first starting out in my career and first, um, starting to, uh, to understand how to manage my money and, then fast forward to now and, uh, and, you know, I'm coming off the heels of a month in Europe and already thinking about the next trip I want. So it's, uh, it's admittedly a slog, but still very much within the realm of possibility. Definitely. Yeah, no, we do the same thing. We're like every year we're going to go for a couple of months in April and May. Um, It also helps. I do want to add like the family aspect or friends, like cashing in some of those like, oh my gosh, whenever you're in town, come stay with us. So many people are like, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to do that. Like definitely cash in on those. Like if they come to the US and they want to stay with you, I'm sure you'd say yes. Um, But a lot of people don't want to bring that up to people because they're just, you know, they're they're shy about it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like if you're staying in another country, also what a way to live like a local, you know, like how fun is that? Right. I think it's Americans. We're like, we're like, so, uh, we're so trained to not do stuff like that. Right. Um, where there have been times where, uh, where friends have been like, oh yeah, definitely stay whenever. And when I would ask like, Hey, I'm cashing in on that now, I would feel kind of mortified about it despite them at, uh, offering and despite them saying like, yeah, that's totally fine. I would still be going, oh my God, uh, <laughs> this is something I'm not, I'm not used to doing. Should I like still pay them or whatever? Um, but no, it like, these folks are your friends. They're, uh, they're your, they're people. Well, that's the thing. And you're not them. overstaying your welcome. We stay with a lot of family, but we did maybe like, I would say two days. And then at the most we did maybe like five or six days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then we stayed in hotels. And then of course my grandfather lives over there. So we were able to stay with him a lot, but I mean, even so like with friends and stuff, they're like, Oh my God, stay as long as you want. And like people listen, if they're not going to say that, if they don't mean it, you know what I mean? Completely. Like they want to spend time with you. That's they it. Want to hang out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So my biggest tip I think, um, is like you said, kind of re going through your finances and seeing where you can move up the mountain. I love that. That's a great tip. Um, but also just like looking where they're like, again, going back to the core values, what do you value and where's your money going? Because those things are usually not the same place. And that's where we start to see like, okay, how can we consolidate this and make it one road? You know, because a lot of the times where you want to go and where your money is going, they're just not lined up. And so see where your money's leaking out and start to cancel some of those subscriptions and start to be like, listen, I can live without this, or we can have one car instead of this, or we can do this instead of this. Um, and then you will realize how the money will start to gravitate towards the things that you actually care about and value. And the things that bring you joy, just like we said. And I said it better myself. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for accepting to do this. Um, when I reached out and just for writing that article, because I think we need so much more 
information on how to make things like this possible. Uh, and that's another thing that I bonded over with you is like, you weren't, you didn't just go for a week, you went for a month, you know, and we went yes. for two months. So the <laughs> idea is that like, we're really trying to go for like long-term travel here. We're not, but if you feel like even short-term travel a week or, or a couple of days is not possible for you, how can we start there and use some of these tips that we've given you? Um, you know, in this episode to help you do that as well. Um, I'm going to put all of the links in, uh, first of all, I'm going to put all of Darcy's links in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to Darcy, she's available um, if, uh, on her social platforms. And I also am going to put some of the links of like your, um, your food app and the booking.com and a couple of these things that are really like game changers in budget friendly travel because that's where I think you should, guys should start. Ooh, fully back you up on that. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you again, Darcy, for being here. You're awesome. Thanks for spreading the love of travel <laughs> <laughs> and shouting it from the rooftops like we do. Um, yes. It is so nice um, to bond over something like as beautiful as traveling. Oh my God, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much for reaching out in the first place. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Recovering Perfectionist podcast. I'm Christine, and if this episode resonated with you or spoke to you in any way, please feel free to share. I absolutely love hearing from you guys and your thoughts about the topics based on your experiences. And also, if there's anything you want me to talk about, just screenshot this episode and share it on social media with your comments. Your feedback really helps me to curate episodes that best serve you. If you have time, I would greatly appreciate if you could leave a review wherever you're listening to this episode, whether on Apple or Spotify or any other platform. I'm wishing you a blessed week ahead. And remember, perfection doesn't exist. Take messy action. Healthy habits keep us balanced and you are enough.